Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and guide us in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, <coughs> Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. And as always, it's our goal, it's our responsibility. It is our mission to empower you, the listener, to uh, knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey, and you can do that several ways. primary way is calling in on a number. If you want to get your thoughts, insights, and ideas on the air, you can call 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to do that. Also, um, chat line is open. Uh, chat room is open, so you can join in the chat room if you like and uh, share your thoughts there. You can also do it. Um, you can also do it by sending us an email. My, my uh, I cannot talk. Uh, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail dot com. Uh, go on Facebook. Go to Zero Network on Facebook. Join, like the page, and get updates to the show. Um, we're on Twitter. Prophesy. However, you want to get in touch with us, we are there, and we just want to let you know that we are here. Um, uh, I'm recovering from a cold and all kinds of stuff, so if I sound messed up, I am, but bear with me, pray for me. Uh, We're going to do our best to do a a show, and I do have a wonderful show lined up for you. We're going to be talking about the black church, uh, black church then and now, leadership, movements, personalities. We're going to be talking about all of that. Uh, through the show, and uh, you'll be surprised, uh, uh, you know, how many folk, what what some people think about the black church. And I, I want to give a little history, so we'll be giving some history, uh, and we'll be talking, you know, modern movements, modern personalities, and, and things of that nature. So I'm excited about that, and I hope you enjoy it too. So till then, we let's go before we go further. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the show. We thank you for the opportunity to air. We pray, God, that you would let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. This is our prayer in your name and for your sake. Amen. So, uh, before we get into uh, the show today, a couple of things I want to discuss. Um, as we all know, um, there's a lot going on, particularly that's happened over the weekend. You, those of you who've been following the trial of the Don trial in Florida, as the story of the young man who was killed um, because a white man decided that uh, he was irritated by young men listening to music a little too loudly, parked in a 
vehicle in a gas station, and he felt threatened by them for some reason. They were unarmed, yet he decided to shoot into a parked vehicle, and he shot all several teens, and all of them were harmed. One was killed, and of course, they had verdict, and it didn't get a lot of airplay. You know, they weren't talking a lot about it on the news until the verdict happened, and the verdict came back uh uh, guilty on three charges of attempted murder and a hung jury on the charge of first-degree murder because of the young man, I think his name was Jordan Davis, who was killed. And uh, they tried him for first-degree murder, and they, of course they couldn't prove first-degree, which is intent. Uh, they could not prove that. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of people are crying foul. Now, he, you know, he's going to jail, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually with the voice of the majority. These you know, I, I think they should not have tried him for first-degree murder. And you think about this, the same thing they did with George Zimmerman. They tried him for first-degree murder, even though, uh, you know, they gave into public pressure to do so, even though there was not there was insufficient evidence for first-degree murder. There was plenty of evidence for uh, second-degree aggravated murder, manslaughter, plenty. If they had tried him for that, he would have gone to jail, hands down. And the same with this guy. Uh, but both it was the same prosecutor for both cases, and again prying, you know, I guess trying to prove herself, you know, for a national case, uh, she lost. But she's bringing what what's happening is to me, and, and this is just me. Florida happens to be a very bad state for blacks, <laughs> young black teens. Uh, it, it just just seems to be a very bad state to be in. But I digress. I don't know when. He, He'll be retried, uh, uh, if she even retry him. But there's, you know, it's a possibility because of that hung jury that he could be retried. Uh, but it, the question has been raised about, um, you know, teaching young black boys in particular. Uh, you know, it, it was, it was that was an analogy that was a connection that was made uh, during Jim Crow. The teaching was. Uh, to young black boys, was when you were outside, if you were walking on the sidewalk, if a white person came, you got off the sidewalk and you did it to them. Uh, you didn't look white people in the eye. You know, even grown men, little boys were able to call grown black men boy. You know, uh, and that 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 teaching was to help save their life so, because, you know, during that movement, a lot of blacks were just, I mean, there was violence committed against black men for nothing. You think about Emmett Till and what happened with him. Uh, so those are the things we, we have to think about. We had to think about before we even left the house, if we were going downtown, <laughs> you, you know, or uptown or wherever we may have been, outside of our community. Uh, that is what they taught the young men. And the parallel now is they're teaching young men, okay, if you wear a hoodie, take your hoodie off. You know, if you go into a store, take your hoodie off. Uh, pull your pants up so you won't be considered a thug. Or, uh, you know, make sure that you, you, you identify, you have proper identification and stuff like that. And, and it's a sad case that we're having to teach our young men that for their own safety. Uh, I, I mean, I have... I have been a victim of, how can I put it? You know, I, I've had police do things to me uh, just because of my color, uh, just because I wore a particular color. Yeah, I wore blue. And uh, in our neighborhood, that was the Crips and, of course, you know, gang affiliation. And I've gotten, I was stopped by police <laughs> on several occasions just because of that. And, and part of me was thinking like, do I look like do I look like a thug? Do I look like a hula? I'm, I got these big, thick glasses. You know, I'm wearing a tie for crying out loud. And I was in the band, so I'm carrying not only a book pack, a book bag, but I got a trombone case, a big case, an instrument. You know, so you know. But uh, it's a different paradigm, and we have to. It's a shame we have to teach our young men, uh, young black boys, this. But it's, it's a new paradigm we have to. Uh, have to do so. We want them to live. We want them to value life. And uh, that's one of the things our church is going to be focusing on during the Lenten season. Uh, we'll, we, we will be uh, reaching out in the community and uh, doing things to help these young black boys 
gain a sense of value for life, for their own life and the life of others. And I think that's needed. So uh, that's a lot of injustice, but, you know, that times can change, and we're hoping that it does. And maybe this will serve as an impetus for some young men to to do better. Yeah, so one can only hope. Last little bit of news before we get into uh before we go further into the broadcast. So uh I was reading on the news today, uh online, uh and I saw a story that just perked my attention. I just I couldn't believe what I was reading. Uh according to Charisma today, uh Charisma uh, news online it states there's a there's a report out that T.D. Jakes is suing a young lady who has been stalking him for the last three years. Uh, you know, uh, recently uh, I think last month, you know, the, the news feed was talking about Pastor Marvin Sapp, the gospel singer and pastor who was being stalked by uh, a young doctor. Or, uh, who is now still missing? Uh, as far as I know, they have not recovered her. That you know, they have, no one has found her. They don't know where she's dead or alive. She has not been found. She's been missing. But uh, uh, Pastor Sapp re- released uh, information that she was stalking him. That she moved all the way to Michigan to join his church, thinking that they would be married. Uh, and she was. I mean, she put up YouTube videos as if uh, you know she was. You know, with him or whatever. I I don't know the story, but uh, here we have another prominent pastor as being stalked. And here's how the story goes. Uh, uh, Charisma News say says that uh, Jake sued Carlisha Tarver. I think that's how you say it. Last month, and there's a court hearing that's going to be determined uh, if there should be an injunction on that uh, for a restraining order that states that she should not be. Within 500 feet of him, his family, in the church, or anything like that. Now, here's the thing. She has managed to violate that in three years' time. Uh, now, there, there, he's even reported that she has been to his house on several occasions. The woman has been to his house. <laughs> you know, not only has he been, she been to his house. There's one of, uh, in a report that states that. One time she went to his house and she began to yell obscenities. Now, we don't know what the obscenities were, but uh, use your imagination. She yelled obscenities. There was another occasion where um, she pulled into the driveway. Uh, security attempted to uh, to deter her, and she attempted to run them over with her vehicle. Uh, the lady is crazy. But... I, you know, these both these cases of these prominent being stalked, it 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 should re- bring caution to us. You know, help us. I, I'm not sure what kind of caution it should be. Uh, you know, these these pastors, these pastors, Jakes and Sap, they are you know national. They're superstars in their own right, and. Just like any other celebrity, they are groupies, I'm sure. They're people who are fascinated over them, fantasize about them, have these uh, misconceptions that especially uh, – I don't know why they have it about Jake. Jake supposedly is happily married, you know, um, and, and Sap, you know, he lost his his wife some years ago. and I don't think he's remarried, but the idea uh, that these prominent pastors are – inaccessible in in one way is affecting you know the their the inaccessibility kind of could be the impetus that drives you know the these 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 women to stalk them i'm not saying that's the case i'm just i'm i'm just uh you know i i i'm 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 just inferring that that could be one of the reasons the fact that these men are inaccessible uh for some women who the desire of them in whatever way, I don't know. But I, I just, you know, I, I just thought it interesting um, that um, it has come this far, a man such as Jake's. And there's some, there, there, are, uh, there's a lot of things that could be implied in this. You know, um, it could be implied that 
he may have had some illicit relationship with her. Uh, I mean, it, it could be implied. It could be implied that um, that she's just a disgruntled member. He had her as communicated from the church. Uh, there was a uh, report says that there were occasions uh, where she was not supposed to be at the church, and she came to the church and had to be escorted off the property. There's one incident where he was preaching, and she came up to the altar and had to be escorted uh, again away uh, because of the restraining order or whatever. Um, it 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 could be that you know she's just disgruntled. Maybe she tried to connect with him spiritually. I don't know. Maybe maybe he didn't do uh, a service that she needed. You know he he didn't pray for her or uh, I don't know, he didn't take her offering direct. I don't know. The other and the other thing is she could be just plain crazy. You know, it could be just the fact that you know she has this strange fantasy in her mind. Uh, whatever it may be, but it, it still raises the question of you know security for these uh, pastors on those at, at that level of ministry. Uh, I, I thought about when the preachers of LA show first came on the first episode of that show. Uh, you had Bishop Clarence McClendon talking about his security and you know why. Why he has a security, and he had uh, uh, yeah, it was a clip of Bishop Noel Jones and his security, you know, escorting him from wherever he was out of a one building into a a, a building, and it, it pretty much looked like they were just bodyguards. And then also in that same that same episode, you had Bishop McClendon and his wife discussing. Uh, taking out another restraining order because there was a woman claiming to be uh, Mrs. McClendon. And, they, you know, they discussed that on air. They, they said, well, we just take out another restraining order. And so and, and it, I, 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 can, I can understand that to a degree. I, I can't personally fathom. Uh, I, I also know that some ministers create that. I, I know of several who, who bask in the attention and glory that comes with ministry. They like the attention from the women. You know, I was reading. Uh, there's a there's a uh, Michael Eric Dyson wrote a wrote a piece some time ago, and and the piece was dealing with uh, sexuality in the black church. Uh, but one of the things he he addressed was he said he there was a guest preacher who came to preach at his church, and they were all sitting in the pastor's study after the service and. The guest preacher noticed uh, a young lady in the audience that he, you know, that caught his eye and that he wanted to meet personally. And while they were sitting there, uh, the pastor agreed to make the arrangement. He knew who the young lady was, and he agreed to make the arrangement. And uh, Dyson said that that just fascinated him because he had just preached about against sexual immorality and whatnot, and here he is in the back room making a deal to engage in sexual relations with a woman. So uh, there are those who do that. I, I, I'm not knocking that. But the question all comes back to um, to, to the, uh, the viability of the minister and the character of the minister. What is it that the minister can do to protect him or herself from such uh, people, the stalkers, and what what can the church do? I, and you know, we'll talk about that a little bit more because it is a it's it's, it's a new phenomenon. Uh, well, I won't say new phenomenon. It is a is a a problem because this is not the first pastors. There's several. I, you know, I've gone and I researched. There several. You just Google search uh, pastors and stalking. You you find numerous stories on both sides where pastors were stalking uh, members and where uh, individuals stalking pastors. But it's a scary thing, and um, it, it, I'm glad these things are, are coming out and there's a greater awareness of it. But at the same time, you know, uh, I, I I wonder what can be done uh, as a preventative measure. Uh, this woman, according to Jakes, is crazy, and he said it. Uh, 
Uh, she presents a danger to him and his family, or a possible danger to him and his family. And of course, that that is real. That is, that's true. But anyway, I digress. I'm gonna take a quick break, and when we come back from the break, we will be discussing uh, black church history, then and now, leadership and whatnot. We'll, I'm excited about it. So. Uh, Hopefully you will be too. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back from this break, that's what we'll be talking about. Be right back after this. We make you smarter about insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that posting your travel plans online may attract burglars? Talk to Hawaii. What if you didn't know that as the price of gold rises, so should the coverage on your jewelry? Ah. What if you didn't know that kitty litter can help you out of a slippery situation? The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum. How much money do you need to make each month? That's the first question we'll ask when you decide to start your own home business through IncomeAtHome.com. As a success coach, I'm here to guide people like Karen, who needs to earn serious money from home. We were living payday to payday, and with four teenagers at home, we were worried. By the third month, I was banking more than $2,600. After only 18 months, I was consistently earning more than $7,000 a month. Now, it's a six figure income and I'm paying cash for college for four kids. We found our way out of rat race. Listen, this isn't selling soap or energy water to your friends. This is a real business bringing potential customers to your computer so you can earn money 24-7. Incomeathome.com is affiliated with a multi-billion dollar company and carries a triple A rating. So how much money do you need to earn each month from home? Visit IncomeAtHome.com right now for your chance to win $1,000. Suits today aren't like suits from yesterday. Part of it is the cut of today's suit. Short jacket, narrow lapel, moderate fit. But part of it is the cut of the man himself. Because today, it's not so much the brand of suit that defines the man, as it is the brand of man who wears it. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. It was the best day. It was the best day. And the great outdoors. We make a great pair. Right. Totally. Uh, that's what I was thinking. All kinds of vehicles, all kinds of savings. Multi-policy discounts from Progressive. Call or click today. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. I'm part of a place where I'm always challenged to do more. I am a part of a place where I can be involved. I'm a part of a place where everything is possible. I'm part of a place where champions are made. At the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff, you can get an affordable education with competitive degree offerings, diverse student population, and stellar faculty. Become part of a place where you can get everything you need to succeed. Become a part of the pride at the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff.
Mahalia Jackson singing it uh the nineteen sixty three March on Washington and I just thought I'd lead into that this next segment, uh, because she sang the song How I Got Over and when we think about the black church <laughs> you got to you have to incorporate that because the black church has come a mighty, mighty long way. And uh I I, I wanna dispel some myths first of all you know, because, um, and I, I wrote about this on my blog, so you can visit uh, LorenzoTNeal.com, and you can read the blog that correlates with this show. Um, but, you know, there, there's one big misconception about the black church, and that there, this misconception is that there is a collective identity, you know, a collective black church. But it, that's not the case, you know, the, the, the black church is probably as diverse as Anything else? Uh, matter of fact, we are more diverse than people care to admit, and that's I think that's what makes the black church unique. Now, the experience within the black church is pretty much similar everywhere. You, you know, you you find no matter what the denomination is, uh, you'll find a similar religious experience in uh, most black churches, uh, and and that collective experience is what makes it unique. Uh, you know, we took being saved, sanctified, and Holy Ghost filled to a whole nother level, and it, it continues. It continues to be emulated today all over the world. And um, what I appreciate most is the fact that uh, uh, is that we are diverse. You have Black Catholics, you have Black Methodists, you have Black Baptists, you have Black Pentecostals, you have, uh, and I don't really want to, you know. You have, even though they're not part of what we would call the church, you have the black Muslims. You have uh, now the black Israelites uh, uh, and other, you know, other facets of that. You have black Jews. And even, again, they're not the black church, but I'm just, you know, the, re- the religious experience of the African-American community is, is, is a wonderful thing. Matter of fact, there's an article in the Huffington Post that was uh, – that was uh published uh, a couple of days ago and that that celebrates the diversity of the African American religious experience. And now, you know, the Huff- Huffington Post is a liberal liberal magazine, so they incorporate uh, they incorporated everything uh, and it was, you know, uh, a definitely left-leaning slant because of the ones that they identified. Uh, I think about several, four, three or four of them were, you know, homosexual. And I don't have, no, let me stop and say, yeah, I, I kind of do have a problem with that, but not a big problem because uh, uh, yeah, they, they're there. Uh, but uh, I, when I when I think about, and from for this show, when I'm talking about the black church, my, my my thing is going back historically and looking at the leadership of particular movements and comparing those those leaders to uh, the ones of the day. And, and, and I list uh, Richard Allen and Paul Moore because uh, Richard Allen is the is considered the foremost leader. Uh, 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 you know, he's the father of African religious independence uh and he he has that title he has that title and we'll talk about why he how he why he got this why he got that title why he deserved that title and and more contemporary figures such as uh bishop paul as morton senior who uh a little over 20 years ago um organized a a a group of baptists who had a little Pentecostal flavor, <laughs> and, and you got the full gospel Baptist fellowship, and, and there are others, but those are two that I just, you know, uh, I, I'm one familiar with both of them, uh, but I, I just wanted to bring those out, and I, I wanted to kind of explore a little bit more, you know, where where's the church been, and where are we now, where, where are we going, and when I, I am using this, I'm just clumping us all together, because, you know, I think of the black experience is a collective one and i know it's again it's more idealistic but that's how the outside world looks at it. it's just like you know when people think about jews they think about 
collective and and you know those who are Jews say they may be born a Jew and not believe in God at all so and we have that in in the African American and, and and I'm learning to appreciate the diversity of the African American or black American religious experience but and I I don't want to suppress any of it uh, it is uh, you know there there's some who are still trying to suppress it uh various uh, articulations of that experience for one reason or another. And, you know, those are some things we just should explore. I'm drawing a lot from, I've drawn a lot from a book that was written uh, about 20 years ago, I give, I guess, uh, by um, C. Eric Lincoln, who is one of the most prominent, the Lord rest his soul, one of the most prominent uh, uh, historiographers of the African American experience, and uh, both uh, religiously and sociologically, and he's written he's you know written numerous articles and books regarding uh, the black experience in America. Uh, but he and uh, his co-author wrote a book that's titled uh, "The Black Church in the African Meth- African American Experience," and uh, this book. I used it in a course that I, I taught at a church once to because uh, um, I at one time I was affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention and this is one of the things that uh, while I was working with them uh, this is one of the things I, I thought was pivotal for for the, those black pastors who were uh, in black Baptist churches you know a lot of them were really ignorant so uh, in in the sense of uh, the collective church experience, so you know I use this book as a reference, um, but it, it detail it, it it talks a lot about the uh, the the black churches the the Methodists the Baptists and the Pentecostals and 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 these movements within the black church experience how they individually and collectively brought on social change. Uh, in, in, in America as well as brought on a uh, religious change for black people. Um, now let me get back to Richard Allen. Richard Allen along with uh, others in 1787 Richard Allen uh, when John and Charles Wesley came to the United States for the first Methodist uh, conference uh, what's called the, Bal- the Christmas conference, Baltimore conference in 1784 Richard Allen was there. He was the only black uh, in attendance that's recorded. He was in ministry. He had been preaching. He was a circuit writer. Uh, if you don't know the story about Richard Allen, it's a wonderful story. He was born a slave in Delaware. He, you know, he when he got converted, he 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 you know, received it well and ended lead, actually ended up leading to his master's conversion. His master offered him and his brother to purchase their uh, freedom for two thousand dollars, and they did. He worked hard. He worked hard. He earned the money, saved money, and bought his freedom. And you know, when he was converted, he he entered ministry and was a circuit rider. I mean, this guy was you know he he preached as early as you know as many as six or seven uh, times a day from as early as five a.m. in the morning to as late as nine o'clock at night. You know. And when he and others left St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church because of discrimination, they were praying, and the white people thought they had become a nuisance and, uh, you know, tried to pull some of them up while they were praying. And after they finished praying, they left out of the church. That was the first first mass social movement for blacks, leaving that church organized. Uh, they, all, they had already organized the Free African Society. And the Free African Free African Society uh, was, uh, in essence, the first. Uh, how can I put it? Uh, I, I can't even think about how to put it. It, it. it was think about it as a benefit society, you know, a mutual society for members, you know, and and that gave rise to uh, meeting places. The meeting place, which eventually led to the um, purchasing of a building for Allen to preach in that became Mother Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church, which still exists today. And 
which gave rise to other movements religiously within the black community in Philadelphia, Delaware, uh, Maryland, other places, New York, and and it gave rise to several black, you know, both uh, uh, Methodist, Episcopalian, even uh, in the from Baptist. Um, so it, 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 he he was a prominent figure, and and that's why we, we that's why I recognize him as as such. And he led to he he led the way, paved the way for what we now enjoy, particularly as African Methodists, but as black men, uh, black black people, religious experience. You know, slaves were meeting in the back fields after they had already worked from dusk to dawn, and they still needed to have that sense of religious fulfillment, obligation, or whatever you want to call it. And they did that. And he he took a good stand, and he fought. I mean, he 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 fought legislatively. You know, he he went hand and toe against the Methodist Episcopal Church to be uh, independent, to have us because they were sending white preachers to the black church. That make no sense, but that's what they were doing. So I think about him and what he did. I think about other. You know, fast forward. There, there are several other movements. I, I, I wish I could. I had time to really just fully, uh, uh, fully break down and, and, and discuss. Well, I, I want to fast forward about a hundred years, um, and you have William Seymour. Uh, William Seymour, uh, African American, um, who had a significant religious experience at the time when he. Uh, got with another preacher and began to speak in tongue and and as a missionary and evangelist went to Los Angeles, settled in an old AME building, uh, AME mission, and began praying and having services and that developed into a revival that has come to be known as the Azusa Street Revival and, and William Seymour led that now and that led to breakout of several Pentecostal apostolic uh, denominations that still exist today and movements that still exist today and then uh, incorporate that with another preacher out of the out of south here in, uh from from arkansas and and uh the uh, reverend ch mason who became bishop ch mason who was the founder of the church of god in christ and um he had that he he made his way to azusa street and the revival was going on he had Started out as a Baptist preacher and caught with the idea of sanctification and holiness, and he began preaching that. And, you know, Baptist folk didn't like it, so he started his own church, Church of God in Christ, which was still technically a Baptist church at that time. Uh, and they, the only thing that they stressed was the idea of holiness and sanctification. And he and his partner, uh, once once Mason went to Azusa Street, he came back. Uh, having had the experience of speaking in tongues and incorporated that into his ministry. And, of course, there were those who agreed with him and didn't agree with him. And so there was a, a parting of ways between him and some of his followers. But he uh, he birthed the Church of God in Christ from that movement. And, you know, it is, a, it is one of the leading Pentecostal movements uh, in the world today. And has launched the the ministry and career, many careers of several. Probably the most prominent would be uh, Bishop G. Patterson, uh, who pastored in Memphis, Tennessee, who eventually became the head bishop uh, of the presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ. But he was one of the most prominent uh, preachers of the time uh, of the 20th and early 21st century till he passed. And you know he developed he developed a worldwide ministry, uh, and then you bring it fast forward to Bishop Paul S. Morton, who is probably right now the most prominent of uh, founding fathers, I guess you can say, uh, because he is credited with having founded the Full Gospel Baptist Church Fellowship. And what's what's interesting about this is that when you you go to um, you know, you can you can go to uh, the um, Association of Religious Data, 
uh, and you can go. You'll find you can you can find out about all every denomination, membership wise, what they are and you know, the branches they are affiliated with. Uh, but the black church is unique because, but in the sense that we have a loose connection, and, and I mentioned I mentioned uh, I mentioned Richard Allen, William Seymour, C. Uh, H. Mason, and Paul Morton. Now, what links all of them together? What is the connection to all of them? It, it is uh, the doctrine of prim- primarily what links all of them together is. Uh, this Wesleyan idea of sanctification, uh, uh, spirit field, things of that nature, uh, because all of those traditions grew out of uh, John and Charles's Wesley, the Wesleyan movement, oh, or you can say the Wesleyan movement, the Holiness movement, uh, Methodist movement, however you want to call it. They all that's that's one main connection between all those men that I I, I mentioned. Uh, that is one underlying connection, and there are others we could go on and on. And, and I'm not even going to get into the Baptists but, uh, because the Baptists are they are in in they they you know uh, they don't they're not as connected as the others in so many ways. And, and when I say Baptist, you know, I'm talking about the National Baptist Convention USA, National Baptist Convention of America, the Progressive National Baptist Convention, and the new baby on the block, uh the um uh missionary progressive missionary Baptist Convention. And all of those basically are splinter groups and they're all they all come from the first group, the uh, National Baptist USA, and and that's the group that I grew out of. You know, I started preaching in that in that organization, got licensed and ordained in that organization before uh, moving into uh, African Methodism. But the thing about uh, the leadership, but and it contrasts the, the leadership there. What you had was a all of them had a sense of oppression in some way. Uh, they functioned out of that, and and they thrived and grew from that. And I don't think the black church today, the contemporary church, I, I don't, I think we're that's one of the things that we're lacking. Um, I don't think we have that sense of unity when it comes to having an expression. And I say that because you 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 have a a loose group now, and nobody wants to be affiliated with anybody. Everybody wants to have, and I, again, I, I'm being as Wide and generic, and when I say everyone, but uh, there's a new trend where you know you have independent churches who are either loosely affiliated with another organization or not affiliated with any organization, and they are they find ways to be connected, network without having to be uh, uh, connected, without having to be fully. And, and engage with each other, and and that's the growing trend. I, I'm uh, take a quick break. When I come back, we'll discuss a little bit more about that, a little bit, bit a little bit more about uh, church today, and and what's going on with it, and what's the leadership like today. And we'll be back right after this. <laughs> years ago I wrote a book called Breaching the Family and in that book I, I used uh, Genesis 38 to discuss an issue that many families ignore and it becomes silence you know uh, what what happens when there's deception and that deception leads to a, an action that brings about unwanted consequences many of us struggle with that and 
I believe my book, A Breach of the Family, can help you find the answer to that. Matter of fact, if you if you really look at it, most of our families are dysfunctional, but we function. But there's a way to repair that breach. And I want you to go to my website, LorenzoTNeal.com, and order a copy today, your copy today, of A Breach in the Family. You will be blessed. You'll learn something. You'll be able to share something. And I know, I know it will be a blessing to you. So go for, go for there. Uh, LorenzoTNeal.com, order a copy of A Breach in the Family today. It'll bless you, and you should be blessed me. Thank you. What's something that's slow that you wish was fast? Turtle. Really? A turtle? Yeah. And what about you? I'd rather be a slow turtle. Well, mm. I know why. Because when you're slower, you won't have to get in the street as fast and get ran over. But if you're a slow turtle and you're in the middle of the street, what happens? Austin? Exactly. It's not complicated. Faster is better. And AT&T is the nation's fastest 4G LTE network. Jackson State University is not just another university. It's a community. It's a family. And that's not all. Jackson State University is a national leader in biomedical research and development. With world-class science, math, engineering, and technology departments. At Jackson State University, we're leading the way in technology and innovation. One Jackson State University, changing lives one student at a time. With the Name Your Price tool, you tell us what you want to pay, and we give you a range of coverages to choose from. Who is she? That's Flowbot. She's this new robot we're trying out, mostly for, like, small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. She's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, Flowbot. Great job. Oops. Uh-oh, Flowbot is broken. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today. Dad, listen, we're going to go broke unless we figure out a way to divvy up the oh, shared Dad. data plan fairly. So, uh, whoever's fathered the most children gets the most data. Let's just do it by hair. Body hair? Most dental work. What? Stop downloading and stop liking everything. It should be by who has the least amount of cartilage in their left knee. Just want to take a bath. Say no to sharing. Say yes to Sprint. With truly unlimited data, text, and calling. All right, welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And uh, we'll continue our discussion in the last uh, last part of the show about the black church. And, and again, there's so much that we could talk about when we talk about the black church. And I've touched on the diversity that we have in the black church. I've touched on uh, the leadership, past and present, and the connection, that is, the underlying connection. Between all of that, and I, I, you know, my 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 thing now is where are we, you know, currently, and where where will we be? Where should we be heading? What does the black church look like, you know, now? And when I say look like now, I articulated a little bit of that about the diversity, but right now, it, it you know, to me, there is no collective ideal for the black church to stand behind, I, you know. I think about when Jim Crow and civil rights, the black church was the epicenter of the community. It was flow, you know, the leadership of the community flowed from the black church. You know, not only was the black pastor revered as, you know, one is, 
even if he or she was, well, he, uh, now we have she, but he was unlearned. They had an uncanny wisdom because of uh, uh, and a spiritual insight. Uh, I think some pastors are lacking today. And they were they were able to empower uh, their their people somehow. I don't I, I don't know how they did it, but they were able to empower the people to be active, engaged in the needs of the community. And you know, you know, one, you know since we've moved on, you know, we got like George and Weezy, we've moved on up. Uh, you you, you uh, for example, you drive around. I use my community, my church is here in Jackson. While you see several, there are several storefront churches, and when I say storefront, I mean buildings that you just stick a sign over, you know, you know, one of those banners, and you got a church. <laughs> I, that's kind of that's what I'm talking about right now. But that, just imagine within a two block radius, and there's eight churches within a two block radius, and the crime in that area is high. It, you know, it's still a lot of violent crime. And, and the leadership of the churches, of those churches, are, are selfish because it's theirs. You know, this is their territory. The Lord told them to make this territory, you know, take the territory, enlarge the territory. And, you know, there's no continuity of of thought or a purpose of planning and of empowerment. And that's what I have a problem with, you know, today. I, the, we, we lost that, that, that continuity of empowerment. Now, the, the founding fathers of these churches that I mentioned, you know, these movements that I mentioned, they had a sense of empowerment, not just for themselves, but but for the people that they serve. And and I I just I, I do want to say every last one of them ended up wealthy. From Richard Allen, C. H. Mason, uh, we know Paul Morton. <laughs> Uh, but these guys they end up wealthy in some way. Um, they didn't die poor, and they left a legacy. And, and hopefully, uh, speaking uh, with Paul Morton, hopefully he will be leaving. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, it's yet to be determined how the, how how his legacy will be viewed in the next ten, twenty years after he retires or after he passes. Uh, and, and you think about uh, the looseness, uh, the prominence. And the looseness, you got the prominent figures, the uh, such as Jake's, and as I mentioned before, you know what he's experiencing now. I feel bad for him, and we will be praying for him. But again, there's that disconnect there. And then you have, uh, you have the the French, French apostles and prophets and bishops who, who, of their own mind and whatever it may be, are great men and women who believe God has called them to bring in uh, the great incoming or whatever it may be. I don't know what it is. I'm just talking. Uh, But that disconnect is doing such a great harm to the black community. Now, you think about it. Uh, When we were oppressed, we did so much stuff as a black community spearheaded by the black church. It birthed our politicians, it birthed our teachers, it birthed our preachers. And when you look at it, we reflect on it from today's perspective, uh, while we still while we still have those people in the church, they're not really connected to the church. That the church is more as more part of their resume, you, you know, than it is their identity. You know. you know, politicians They'll use the church, and I, I don't allow politicians to come into my church and get behind my promise anything. No, they they don't do it. I've never allowed it since I've been pastoring. I, you know, that's just me. Uh, because uh, the disconnect there, the mem- they're, they're members of the church. They 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 contribute to the church, but the church is more a social club for them, a means of identifying their status. In the community, rather than identifying their relationship to God and their relationship to the community, uh, and I, I think we need to change that. I don't know how we go about changing that. Um, I, I think while these fellowships and you know it seems like everybody and their mama, and again I'm speaking very very generally in this, everybody and their mama is starting an association, starting a fellowship, 
started something, starting something, and trying to recruit people to theirs. And I get it all the time. I you know, I couldn't tell you the number of inquiries and uh, uh, invitations I get to be a part of somebody's fellowship. You know, I, I've even got one not long ago that was asking me to be a bishop in, in theirs, and I said I can't do that. Man, you know, that goes against my you know my church. My church law, I'm not a bishop, uh, <laughs> but that's a whole different story. But my, my thing is, there, you know, when I mentioned at the at the top of this at the top of this discussion was uh, the connection, and I believe there's a disconnect. How do we fix that disconnect? That has yet to be determined. I mean, when you have uh, part of it, you know, you is 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 troubling to say, but you know. Until you have uh, people who are able to fully discern when someone is called, you, you know, that's part of the problem. Anybody can say they called, and once them, once they say they called, you know, if they get a piece of paper, or in some cases they don't even need a piece of paper <laughs> to to validate their ministry. They just go out and do it. Uh, or they just give themselves a title. And I, and I think about the movie The Apostle with Robert, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Anyway, the, you know, the movie Apostle, uh, you know, he was a pastor, and then um, when he was on the run, he baptized himself and made himself an apostle. <laughs> but that's I digress. Uh, that disjunct has to be fixed. There's there is no uh, there's no right way, wrong way to fix that until individual pastors come to a realization that there's a need for a communion. Not just a communion within fellowships or within denominations, but a communion within the black people to identify with and rally behind. That's what we need. Not a figurehead. You know, we don't need a figurehead. There are plenty of figureheads. We, you know, I, I know a lot of people who, who who say certain people are their pastors. They never see, never go to their church, never see them in person, but they claim them as their pastor. You know. Uh, we don't need figurehead. We need a unilateral movement uh, of continuity and connection. And when we get that, we'll be empowered back again. I, I think we, when we get that, we'll be empowered again to do the work of the one who sent us, uh, and to do the work that we so desperately need that people are now, uh, are now trying to get from supplemental, you know, supplemental help, government, Agency, and the stuff the church we we need to be doing as black as black church. Uh, I said it all. I run out of the time, and I, I do hope that you have enjoyed this broadcast. And we'll be back again next week. I, I might try to get back on this stuff. I don't know, but until then, be sure to check out all the past archives. Go to uh, blogtalkradio.com zero today. You can listen to the archives. You can download the iPod on uh, the podcast on iTunes. Go to the website. LorenzoTNeal.com, you can read the article associated with this particular uh, broadcast. Uh, go to the web page or the Facebook page, whatever you do, like us, subscribe, do everything. We're just glad that you are listening. We're glad we'll be here. Until next week, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and I'm glad that you allowed us to be here. So until then, we'll be back next week. God bless you and keep you. <laughs>